0: Pastor Billy is a uh, preaching pastor here at Bridgman and also leads Dion, the Indigenous Church on the North Side. So, can you welcome him as he comes to share God's word with us tonight?
1: Well, being someone that can't sing real well, can we thank the band? Is that okay? Thank you. Well, thanks for welcoming me and. Um, I wanna kick it straight off. I'm gonna go straight to a very serious question, perhaps one of the most vital questions I could ask you. And so in a minute, I'm gonna get you to turn just for 30 seconds and answer this question to a person near you or around you. And if you're at home, um, and if you're on Facebook and you're on your own, you can send a comment. And this is a very important question. So let me just pause so there's a bit of atmosphere. Okay, that's enough, okay. This question is, what is your favorite food? Go for it, 30 seconds, a very vital question. Go for it tonight. 15 seconds. Okay, thank you very much, sorry, sorry. Some of you were—you well, seemed like you, your favorite menu by the sound of how long that was going. I so, um, hope I didn't cause any fights in families. Clearly broccoli would have been right up there, so that's fantastic. Now listen, uh, my, my favorite food, and you've probably heard it before, I say it a lot, is my favorite food is free. And because I, I travel around this country, I do use it as just a little bit of a joke, a little bit of an in. But I want to share with you tonight that it's actually, it has a deeper truth that I don't tell many people about. Because for me, when I ask or or state that my favorite food is free, I am fishing to see if that's been thought of. Uh, I don't do it so much given the current season, but I've traveled around this country speaking and giving workshops and presentations and... I'm always interested to see if I'm gonna get a feed. Because for me, culturally, it's a very important protocol for those that don't know, I have an aboriginal heritage and in the old days, if you traveled onto someone else's area or country, one of the most important cultural protocols is that you would offer them food. If they were a good, humble guest, you had a cultural responsibility to look after them. And the first thing is give them food and water. So that is a little tester for me culturally, but, but it is a spiritual reality that I think is very important. See, to be fed is to be cared for. And so there's something about food, and uh, you're in a series at the moment looking at the signs of life, And we're looking in the Gospel of John, and tonight we have landed on a food sign. For some of you, you'll know it's the feeding of the 5,000. And so if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever it is, you can look there, but these words will come up on the screen. It's John chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1, and I want you to listen to this food sign. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, He did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, They exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Wow. What a food miracle that took place. Now, I want to tell you, I have seen what I believe to be some miracles in my time. I have. I believe them to be miracles but I've never seen a food one, not quite like this. But there are some people who are part of Diyan, our ministry, that have. And we used to meet on a Saturday night a few years ago and we used to feed everyone. And one of these particular nights, we had quite a a good crowd and so it was about 180 people and we were feeding them a good Aussie meal, meat pies. Yes, good, good. And so this big crowd, 180 people went through Now, I did not witness this miracle. I've heard of it. You'll need to check with Luke and Larry. I'll give you their emails after. You can double check. I didn't see it myself, but they were serving everyone. And they were just about to wrap up. After 180 people, just a a handful of pies left, they said. We just glanced back and just thought, yep, great. And then a massive bus from the south side pulled up. And about 40 people got off. 40 hungry Southsiders. Have you seen 40 hungry Southsiders? Now Larry and Luke tell me that they didn't even look back, they didn't count, they just kept serving and somehow 40 hungry Southsiders were filled. Now I didn't see that miracle, but I have heard it directly. And so when I hear this story here, I think, wow, this is amazing. This, this, this sign, this is the language that is used here. And I wanted to be cautious tonight. I want to just pick up on something that's right at the end of the passages here in verse 14 and 15. Let me just read it to you again. It says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign. So this is the language that's being used here in John's gospel. They exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. The language here is intentionally a sign. And what can happen, what I read here in verse 14 and 15 is, you can misinterpret the sign. You can perceive the sign. You can even receive the sign. You can even believe the sign but you can interpret it wrong. And what happens is the crowd have got it wrong and Jesus senses that and he leaves. And so it's with great responsibility that I look at this passage with you tonight. Cautiously, I don't want to interpret it in a way that sends us down a bad track. And one of the things, this sign language is helpful. Because what a sign does is it points beyond itself. The sign isn't meant to be the focus per se. Um, I've got uh, kids now uh, that have have gone through or are going through their licence. My young fella's 16 and studying online as we speak. And one of the sections, if you've got your licence or you're studying, you know is about signs And I appreciate that he's studying the sign so hard. What my concern is, you look at the sign so much you don't do what it's asking. (laughs) And this is the truth with these signs in John's gospel. The signs are important, but not in and of themselves. They are pointing somewhere or to someone. And so it's with that caution that I want to journey with you in the passage and one of the things that has helped me as I, one of the lines from the songs, I was beautiful, listen and linger. Well this week as I listened and lingered in this passage I was struck by what I would call echoes of the Old Testament. See this would have been predominantly a Jewish crowd that were following Jesus, this Jewish Teacher who was recalling Jewish stories. And here John has heavily, I believe, leaned into that history. The echoes of the Old Testament to me seem like they're right here. I just want to quickly roll through with you to show this because this is helpful to see what's going on. In the opening verse 1, it says that Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, my mind thought, well, that's the Old Testament has predicted that there will be one who comes out of this area, this particular geographical area. They are told to keep an eye out. He will come from Galilee. So for a Jewish listener, it says something to them. So this points back to this Old Testament prophecy. Be prepared. Verse 2 says, a huge crowd kept following him. I couldn't help but think of Abraham being called in Genesis 12. God calls him out and God says, follow me. I will show you where to go. And that's interesting to me. There's this trust factor that Abraham in his call, he doesn't know. God's going to show him where it is later. And this crowd that's following Jesus, this is not some organized Kentucky tour. There's not some itinerary where Jesus says, well I'm going to be this side uh, on Thursday and then next week we'll go over here. There's a bit, little bit of sightseeing and then we'll go on a boat trip. And no, no, no. This crowd it's unpredictable. As, as people start sharing, as people see a massive crowd walking they join. And so there's this unexpected journey that's taking place. But it, Harkens back. This is Jesus leading the crowd, but it, it points back to Abraham being led by God. In verse three, it says Jesus climbed a hill. In other translations, it says Jesus climbed the mountainside. In Hebrew thinking, that is the Old Testament. Any time you hear about a mountainside, you think encounter with God. I come from the flat plains of northwestern New South Wales and so I love the flat country. The highest thing in my hometown is the gutter, very flat country. But I do concede, I do confess that Old Testament, whenever it mentions mountains, you are to think a meeting place with God. They are special places. Moses goes up the mountain to speak to God. And here it is, Jesus is on the mountain. In v- verse four, we're told this special little bit of information that it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover. This ceremony that had existed in Hebrew tradition ever since the Exodus, the Old Testament, when they were under the rule and reign of Pharaoh, treated as slaves, not cared for, and God says, I will lead you. I'll take you out. And these miracles occur, the last and most significant being the Passover. And the Jewish tradition continued, and here it is, a direct reference to that experience of the God that led them out of slavery, that led them into light and life. It says in verse 5 that Jesus turns to Philip and says where are we going to get bread to feed all these people well in the Old Testament if you know the story of the Exodus they leave Pharaoh and they end up in the wilderness and the wilderness is a little bit shy on for 7-Elevens they haven't got Uber Eats going around at the moment and so what happens is they start to complain why on earth did we come out here why did, you let, why did we let you lead us out here? We're going to die out here with no food. And Moses cries out to God, and what does he provide? Manna, a bread-like substance from heaven. If you read the passage, it says that they got manna and quail. So I guess in a modern way of thinking, they sort of had chicken sandwiches, you know, in a way. And that's good, and in this passage we read that they're gonna have fish sandwiches. Some people like chicken sandwiches, some people have fish sandwiches. Every people, you know, we all have different sandwiches. So I'll never forget, if anyone here knows, there used to be a person on staff here called Marty Luke, one of my favorite human beings of all. And when I was on staff, and Marty was on staff, he's now at the sister church, The Grove. Well, Marty comes from a tradesman's background. He used to be a painter, and then he came on the pastoral staff. And one day we used to have lunch together, bring our lunch in and, you know, just sit around and yarn. And Marty came in one day with just bread. He pulled this bread out and he said, oh, I better go and get something to have as a sandwich, a filling. And I thought, wow, I wonder what Marty will get. Is he a chicken man? Is he a fish man? Is he ham? Who knows what he'll get? And Marty, I should have realized being a tradesman, he came back with a sausage roll. Any tradesman out there, that's a good sandwich, wouldn't you say? I I love that Marty Luke. A sausage roll sandwich, so I'm converted as far as I'm concerned. And what I love here in this passage is the bread is to feed the people, just like it was in the Old Testament. And verse 6 says that Jesus was testing Philip. Jesus wanted to just see where Philip was at. He wasn't trying to humiliate him, but he was testing him to see where his thought process was. In the Old Testament, that's exactly what God was doing with the manna. In that Old Testament story, they were to only trust God that day for the manna. Don't hoard it, he said. Just grab enough for today. Trust me that tomorrow I will provide again. And they were to live like that. For all their years in the desert and here it is Jesus is asking his disciple where could we get bread from as a test in chapter no, in verse 9 sorry it says that Andrew Simon Peter's brother he finds someone he says there's a young boy here well I don't know about you but as soon as I think young boy I think of Old Testament David And in particular, I think of the young boy, David, and Goliath. That story where the Israelites are up against the Philistines. And and, and it's a standoff. They've got the massive Goliath, and no one wants to go up against him. And little old, inconsequential David. He's not even meant to be at the battle. David is tending the sheep, he's that young. David somehow makes his way to the battlefront. And it's David, the little boy David, who shows everybody up. He says, God is with us. Whatever I've got, I'm just going to use that for God's glory. And here we are on a mountainside. And a disciple says, there's a lad here with just a little bit of play lunch. What that play lunch is, we read in verse 9, is, f- is five barley loaves and two fish. And There's a story in the Old Testament of Elisha using barley loaves and there's an abundance in the food. He, he feeds a large number, larger than is expected with what he's got. In verse 11, it talks about Jesus giving thanks to God as he took the loaves. I couldn't help but think of all the psalms, these psalms that give thanks and glory to God, and here Jesus is thanking God. In verse 13, there's leftovers, and they collect them. And how many basketfuls are left? Twelve. Twelve when israel when the israel nation was formed it was formed as 12 nations as 12 tribes for that nation when jesus called his disciples he called 12 for hebrews these are all hitting these memory points these markers something is going on here in this passage this story in verse 14 it says surely he is the prophet we're expecting Well, the people can't be expecting a prophet if they haven't been told. And the Old Testament is filled with messianic prophecies that one will come who will show the way. And here they are saying, could this be the one? And the final one that I saw, you might see others, but the final one I saw was verse 15. It says that Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king. In the Old Testament, there's a very interesting point in time where God basically gives the Israelites a decision. Would you like a human king or would you like me to rule? And the people choose a human king. And it feels like to me there's this echo because the people have got this wrong. Jesus, they're looking for a temporal King. They're looking for a ruler now, for a, a government representative now, someone that will do stuff just here in this le- neat little basket. Whereas God's so much bigger and Jesus senses that and he too responds. And So these echoes for me, they, they seem to just point to the reality of what's going on. And if I was to tell you the thing that strikes me most in my lingering in this passage just for this week if i was to, there's many things lots of things we could talk about but the thing that strikes me this week is best described in one of my aboriginal words and one of my aboriginal words i want to share with you is warrambul. and our word warrambul, a gumaroi word it is actually the word that we use for the milky way and so if you look at the night sky and you see in particular that peace of star work called the Milky Way, that is the Warramble. It's like the creator has, has just thrown, sprinkled these stars like he's had that many, it doesn't matter, and it, it's about overflow in our stories. Warramble is about the abundance. And as I read this passage, I was struck, utterly struck, by the extravagance of God. It says in the passage that everybody ate till they were full. It says that there were 5,000 men. So that's not even counting the women and children. We, we don't know how many thousands there were really. There was more than 5,000. That was bigger than most st- cities around them, most areas around them, the towns and villages, this was a big crowd. And yet it says every one of them ate till they were full and then there were leftovers. There was a warrumble. This was not just a stingy, Moved by God. This is not Jesus just saying, here's a little bit to just pass you over till we can find something. This was the overflow of God. This is an abundant God that we're speaking about. And I, when I am able to participate in those things, man, that gives you such a sense of the bigness of God. Imagine that Milky Way is a speck in terms of what he's created. (laughs) That thing to us which is so big, bigger than I can even get my head around, well, that's nothing compared to what he's made. How big is this God that we're talking about, this creator? He is an abundant God. And one of the places we get to participate in that thing for us as Diane is our property at Bethel, uh, out at Dolby. And what we love to do out there is host people. We love to have people come. And, and a few weeks ago, we were very lucky to have Dan, Mora, and the, and the interns come. So we hosted your Bridgie interns and Dan out there at uh, Bethel. And we loved it. And, and we got to host them and, and look after them. And Dan, I was out there during the week And I thought of Dan because there's a particular tree that he took a real shine to. It's still there, which is good. He's a trustworthy fellow. But Dan just took a shine to this tree we'd planted and it was growing and starting to show life. And so it was about five o'clock in the morning. I was having a cup of tea before I start the day and the sun, you know, at about 5.30, the sun just peered up over the trees and it was shining through that tree. And I just took a photo and I sent it to Dan. I said, just thinking of you, Brother. And he sent me back a text, and so I can't own this phrase, I want to acknowledge Dan in it, It it's so powerful. Dan sent me back a text and he said, I was just thinking of the divine hospitality. Dan, I feel like you have, for me, you've driven it to the heart of what this passage is speaking about, this story, this sign. It for me is pointing to the divine hospitality of God. You want to know who this God is that's created? You want to know what he's like? Well, he is a, a divine being that is abundant and lavish upon, lavishes stuff upon us. He lavishes love. He lavishes care. He lavishes life. He is an abundant God who hosts us with a divine hospitality. I love that picture. Whilst we were out there during the week, we got to host the local Baptist minister and his wife. It was just a beautiful time just to see them relax and sit with our crew. And we just, everyone came alive in this beautiful exchange. But one of my highlights was later in the week just on Friday we've made some pretty good friends of um, a local fellow that was a drover for many years he had to move to Oakey with his wife but he got to bring his wife out he's uh, we're hosting a couple of his horses he's a very excellent uh, horseman and he was breaking in one of his young fillies during the week and uh, he's also graciously teaching me how to fall off a horse in a more classy way and so uh, we're doing a bit of that. But on Friday, it was a very special treat because he brought his wife out with him. And we've become very fond of them both over the years. Because this old driver's wife has a very serious cancer which is inoperable. And we haven't seen her for a lot of years. She had to move, they had to move to Oki to be closer for treatment in Toowoomba and we haven't seen her often because she's basically had chemo every week for three years. And just recently the doctors said, we think that's it. There's nothing more we can do. And so on Friday it was such a treat to have he and his wife come. And the joy it was, our young kids All excited, the young Dion kids went to the kitchen and some of the parents, and they prepared this utter feast for us all. This colorful feast with all these foods that you could just, we were beautiful, and they brought these trays. The kids were beaming as they brought these trays over to this old couple, and I just thought to myself, wow. What a picture of who God is. We didn't need to say any particular words. God's presence was unavoidable and unimaginable. It was such a wadamble of the divine hospitality, I'll never forget it. My spirit was so moved. This incredible opportunity to tap into the source of life and love and to live in that place. And I recognize I recognise I don't always do that. I'm not always capable of that. And tonight I'm as much reminding myself as anybody else here or who's listening online. Because I need to remember who this God is. When you're tired and when you're beaten down, when things aren't quite going the right way, when it seems insurmountable, what is the sign pointing beyond itself to? And for me it's divine hospitality, an abundant God that lavishes upon us. Miracles and signs, it's one thing to perceive them. It's another thing to believe him it's probably even another thing to receive him but, but what would it mean for us to participate in it to be in a relationship with that abundant God who never holds back in his forgiveness in his grace in his mercy in his love in his light this God And the best way I could think to picture that for you, I'm fairly visual, is I wanted to point you to one of my favourite places on earth, one of the places that fascinates me the most. In in this country up in Queensland, it's called Channel Country, and if you don't know, when there is a rainfall in that area, the, the land just comes alive with these channels. They are like veins in a body, and they start to fill up, Firstly up in that Queensland area and they slowly make their way down south and then west and the place they all lead to is Lake Eyre, Katitanda in Aboriginal language. And if you've never seen what happens when this abundance of water flows to this one location, can I I just encourage you, go on YouTube and look for Lake Eyre with water. People come from overseas because the birds are there, the wildlife is there. There is such life that comes to that place because of the overflow of water that goes there. You can even join the Lake Air Yacht Club if you're interested, so let me know. I just couldn't help but look at this picture and have it as my prayer for my own life and for you who are listening here tonight, whether it's here or online. That we have access to this divine hospitality, a God who doesn't hold back, a God that leads the way to abundance. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in the full." He said, streams of living water will overflow. That is the spirit. It is abundant. It is lavish. It is generous. It is overwhelming if we allow it. The only thing that can stop that water is a blockage or a diversion. And so I'm asking the Spirit tonight, and I pray you will too. We've already had a time of that. Not just for the light, but for the life to flood in. That there'd be no blockage, that there would be no diversion, but that you would receive in great measure the abundance, the warumble of God, that his love would overflow, that his presence would overflow, that his power would overflow, that you would have an encounter of divine hospitality. Let's pray. Living, loving God, you who formed the very stars, call them all by name, you who've put so much life into just a handful of soil when it's healthy, thousands of microbes in just our hand alone. You who in a shower can give so much water that we don't know what to do with it. And yes, even when the cancer can't be cured by human hands and perhaps won't be even by yours, would you remind us to look behind? Even for some who are here tonight, who are exhausted and at wit's end, that have been searching for answers here and there, perhaps like Simon there, looking for logical answers. You, You know that we have to make decisions day by day. You came as a human, you know that experience, Jesus. that by your spirit you will move and shift the things within us that might block or divert the very overflow of God. That you would make a way, that you would meet us where we're at, that divine encounters would be had, and the warmble of God would flow.
0: Isn't this cause for joy? Isn't this cause for joy that the God of... Yeah, come on, we can, we can rejoice, we can rejoice. Let's, let's think about this, let's think about this. The God of all the universe who has all power wants to give us life and life to the full. Is that not a cause for rejoicing? Is that not something which means that we don't have any reason for anxiety, any reason for depression? He is more than able, He is capable, He will provide for our needs. This is amazing, this is amazing. And uh, this is why Paul prays for the Ephesians. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, that's the spirit, together with all the Lord's holy people, that's us gathered here tonight, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, it's unbelievable, that you may be filled, listen to this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This abundant God that Billy shared with us about tonight, He wants to pour His abundance into us. This is amazing. And so we can leave this place rejoicing. We can leave this place with joy, with happiness, for we are safe in His hands. Nothing can take us from His hands. That's what He says. And uh, so why don't we leave in that way? God, we just worship You, we love You. Thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to show us this truth, that You are the way and the truth and the life, and that You are for us, and that You You wanna pour Your love into our hearts. I pray this would propel us this week, Lord, to be Your people, to, to speak, of you to lift your name. I pray our lives this week would be a living testimony to the love of Jesus Christ, that the world might know that you are God and that you are for them, not against them. We love you, God. We worship you as your people here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Great having you with us. Come back again next Sunday. We'll see you before then. God bless you. Well, thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.